<laughs> Is that a prayer or was that stand-up? I don't know what's going on. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Um, I'm Kenny. If we haven't met yet, I hope to say hi to you at some point today. Um, I also just got to say, normally our announcements are not that intensely personal and they don't involve bodily functions and what you can do and not do. We normally have water here, so don't be afraid of coming back and visiting us again. Um, who knows? Maybe it's a Comic-Con thing. Did anyone check out Comic-Con this week? Walk around? No? Yeah, okay, a few people. A few people interested. Um, uh, Hannah and I were hanging out with Dave and Shannon yesterday, and we went, and by the way, they're awesome. We had a blast hanging out with them, and we went, they had never seen Comic-Con, so we walked around and um, saw some of the costumes and some of the craziness, and we got back from that, and, and Dave just started kind of waxing eloquent about you know what's cool about this is that it's, it's showing that as humans, we really long for something that's beyond what we can see. You know, there's, there's this whole, you know, people can make fun of different things or say geeks or nerds or whatever, but there's something that's drawing over 100,000 people there, something about being part of something that goes on beyond yourself or goes on beyond your own powers. And yet, as he was saying that, it's like Jesus and the gospel offers us more than what anything at Comic-Con could offer us. And, uh, and I was like, man, you got that out of that? I, I just saw the cool costumes. <laughs> but no, it was, it was really cool. And um, I don't know, glad to have all those people here, part of our city. Uh, let's start reading uh, the book of John, chapter 12. We're going to have the verse up behind me. Title of the message today is Dealing with Doubt. Dealing with Doubt. And uh, as Vince said, this is the second to last sermon in our series. And uh, if you guys are ready, we'll get started. Are you ready? All right. Good. I'll take that one yes as uh, we're ready. All right, let's read. Uh, Verse 37. We're going to be reading verse 37 through 43. John chapter 12 says this. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill what the word, uh, the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. This is God's word. That passage at the beginning even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. What did he perform in front of them? And the book of John is so beautifully written. It's, you can just study it for years and read books and books and books and never get to the, the depth of how beautiful this part of God's word is. But he's told us already seven miraculous signs that Jesus has done in public for their whole view. A few of them are, he raised Lazarus from the dead, a man who had been dead four days. 
He fed a group of over 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. He turned water into wine. He met a blind man and healed the blind man so the man could see. And all of that, this, this passage is kind of a summary of the last 12 chapters. And he's saying all of these things that Jesus did in public in full view of everyone, and they still did not believe in him. And there's something amazing about this passage because, I don't know if you guys saw on there, it quotes Isaiah, the prophet, twice. Now, Isaiah lived hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth. But God used him as a prophet, and he prophesied things that would come to pass and that would only be fulfilled in Jesus. I'm talking like further back than when the U.S. was a nation, like, like more centuries than that. Isaiah lived before Jesus. And John, the writer of this gospel, quotes him twice here. The first one is from Isaiah 53, and it's a, it's a little bit of prophecy. It's very well known, and it's about, it's giving a prophecy about the Messiah and what the Messiah will be like and that he's the suffering servant. It says um, in that passage, it says that my servant will act wisely. He'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, which just a few verses earlier, Jesus says, if I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Um, later in Isaiah 53, it says, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's just a little bit of the passage from Isaiah 53 that John is quoting here in the book of John chapter 12. Do you hear all the similarities of what Jesus did with what was prophesied? You guys see that? You can show me with hands. Or amen, if you're used to amen church, you could do that too. We're all right with that. We're not too scared. Um, Isaiah foretold these things, and yet he also said in that prophecy, who has believed our message? Or to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure the arm of the Lord would have a better tan than me. But... It's a, it's a metaphor for God's act of salvation. Basically, he's saying God has put his arm out to save us right in front of all of us, and people didn't believe in it. And that's what this passage is saying. Jesus performed signs in public in full view of everyone. He was even going to fulfill all the prophecies in this passage, yet many who were looking at him would not see what was actually happening. They would see the arm of the Lord that was at work accomplishing salvation right in front of them and not even recognize it. And Isaiah 6 is the other passage that um, is quoted here about the eyes that don't see and hearts that don't understand. This passage from Isaiah, that, that, that whole thing that they're, they're going to... They're going to have eyes but not be able to see. They're going to have ears, but they're not going to hear. Their hearts are not going to understand. You know something interesting about that? That passage from Isaiah is quoted by Jesus in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, in the book of Luke, 
And it's here, quoted by John in the book of John. Every book of the Bible that we have that tells us who Jesus is and how, what it means to believe in him and follow him has this passage about doubt. Do you think it might have a message for us? <laughs> Something we can learn from this. And I'm here today to just take a few minutes to say that it does, and it's meant to warn us, but also to encourage us. These people saw Jesus. They didn't believe. They didn't recognize it. The beginning of the book of John says he came into his own. He was the light of the world, and he came into his own, and they didn't recognize him. But as to, many, as, to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. Could I suggest that as believers today, we are at risk of doing the same thing that we see written about in this passage? Could I suggest that you and I are at risk of the God of all the universe not only loving us, but working out his perfect plan in your life and you not seeing it and being blind to it and even doubting it? Is it at least possible? Would you agree with me? That's called doubt. And we all have doubts. Today I want to talk about them. <laughs> doubt is distrust of God's promises. It's distrusting who Jesus is and what he's done for you. One way to think of it, another way to think of it is doubt is the gap between your current faith and perfect faith. And if that's the case, then we all have doubt. And it may be, I don't know what, you're, what you are struggling with, whether you are struggling with doubt right now, you've been through it in the past, or you're about to head into a season of doubt. I don't know what's going on, but there's all sorts of things that we can doubt, Christians and non-Christians. We can doubt our salvation. We can doubt that God really loves us. We can doubt many times even how reliable the Bible is to speak to us. We can doubt the existence of God. We can doubt the identity of Jesus. Even John the Baptist, whom Christ once called the greatest man ever to be born, expressed doubt at the very identity of who Jesus was. So I don't know what your doubts are, but I do know that you will experience doubt. And it, it can be discouraging. Anyone know that? It can be distracting from your walk with God. It can be discouraging in your everyday life. It can, you can lead to despair. We all, from one time to another, will struggle with doubt. And that's part of the point I want to bring up is just in the beginning, doubt is our default, right? So doubt is not something that we should be uh, embarrassed by. And it's also not something that we should... Uh, hold up as an accomplishment. <laughs> like, well, I have my doubts about that. <laughs> yeah, right? Sometimes we have a tendency to think that our doubts make us a little bit more esteemed than other people who believe, right? Other times we have a tendency to say, I don't want to talk to anybody about my doubts because it's embarrassing. But let me just say, it's just a default. It's part of being a human being. Yeah. If it wasn't, why do you think Jesus' whole message was to believe in me. Believe, believe, believe. They said, what's the work of God that we can do to be saved? 
believe in me. Doubt is our default. Having doubt is not a sin. Doubt can lead to sin. Actually, everything that is not of faith is sin. So doubt can lead us to distrust God, and distrusting God can lead us to sinning against God. But doubt itself is not a sin. What matters is the direction of your doubt. Because your doubt is going to take you in a direction. What direction is it taking you? It can either lead you to greater faith or it can distance you from God and isolate you from others. The enemy of your soul would love nothing more than to use the doubt that all of us experience, but the doubt that you're experiencing to push you away from God and to isolate you from your brothers and sisters in Christ. But on the other hand, God has given every one of us a measure of faith and let us decide what to do with it. And our doubts can actually be the birth pangs of a stronger faith. Something that, uh, it's not comfortable and I don't want to go through it, but you know what? The joy on the other side of this is so much worth it. What is the direction of your doubt? Is it leading you to stronger faith or is it leading you to unbelief? One direction leads to faith and belief and to life, as Jesus would say it. And one direction leads, uh, not the band, I just said one direction. (laughs) I don't know how to get out of that one. Anyways, one way leads leads to more doubt and more disbelief. And and the way Jesus would say it is death, darkness. The, The entire book of John was written... So that, we believe, so that we would believe. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, if we all struggle with doubts, and it's the direction of your doubt that matters most, what I want to do today is talk about how to deal with doubt. And I just want to give some practical steps that we could all use so that when we experience doubt, we can act in faith. Amen? Y'all ready for that? All right, cool. It's going to get real practical. So hopefully you like that. If you don't like practical, I don't know, come back next week. Maybe it won't be so practical. Hey, no offense. I didn't mean to, oh man. Man, that's two. That's, okay. One direction. All right. Let's get started. I got a few steps and then I just want to talk about at the end how Jesus deals with our doubt and gives us power to do that. All right, let's go. Number one, bring your doubts to God. Bring your doubts to God in prayer. Like I said earlier, doubt is often the birth pangs of a stronger faith. Unchecked doubt, doubt that we leave alone, often goes in the direction of disbelief. But doubt that we bring to God, that we address and confess and say, God, I'm not trusting you, I need help, often leads to greater faith. So how do you bring your doubts to God in a very practical way? Through prayer. Anyone ever heard of prayer? I know you all have. 
right? But we bring our doubts to God in prayer. Some of the best examples that I can find are in the Psalms. And so I just want to read from a few, and I may not read all the way through those, Zach. I told Zach I have like way more scriptures than I've ever had. So um, let's just give Zach a hand in advance. (laughs) I know he loves being the center of attention, so sorry. Sorry about that. Psalm 13 says this. Listen to how the writer of the Psalms brings his doubt straight up to God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You can tell those last two verses are just like an effort of faith. (laughs) How do you go from like, will you never answer me to he has been good to me? (laughs) Right? But what I want you to see here is that he's bringing his doubts to God. I don't have the answers. It doesn't feel right yet. But it's even just an act of faith to say, God, you need to see this. You need to see my heart. Another one, Psalm 42, well-known psalm. Says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. And it goes on for several more verses. One of the most practical things we can do with our doubts to get them in a direction that point to more faith is to bring them to God in prayer. Say, like it... As I said earlier, the enemy wants to use our doubts to distance us from God. So one of the best steps of faith we can do is just say, no. I don't understand. God, I don't understand. This doesn't feel right. I don't even, I can't feel your love. I don't feel your assurance right now. Everything's going wrong. Do you love me? But at least you're bringing it to him in prayer. At least you're asking, God, will you help me with this? When you acknowledge your doubts to God in prayer, you're experiencing doubt, but acting in faith. I had a time of um, one of the, the, the most trying times in my life of doubt. I was 19 years old, and I was a freshman in college, and I think a lot of it had to do with that for the first time in my life, I had gotten to a, a place where I was surrounded by a lot of my peers who knew that and had heard the same gospel message and had heard about the Jesus I had heard about, but they didn't believe. And so it caused me to wrestle with, hey, do I really believe this? And it started out from that kind of initial thing to like, is God really there? Am I going to be a Christian when I get through this? Does God really love me? And I think the biggest thing that brought me through that was just the willingness to say, God, I don't understand this. I don't, 
I know, I know what I've been taught. I know what I've read in your word. And I know that a bunch of other people that I'm around don't believe it right now. But I'm bringing my doubts to you. I'm bringing my doubts to you. And I want to tell you something. I did not get all my questions answered. If you are a human being, you're going to have to be able, you're going to have to be willing to live with some mystery in life. Does anyone know that? If you have all the answers, I would suggest that you get some doubt. Because <laughs> I don't think you have all the answers, right? I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the answers. And I don't plan to get all the answers here in my life, right? So all my questions didn't get answered. But at some point, by just the step of faith to bring it to God, what I had read about him and what I had heard about him and what I experienced of God came together. And on the other side of that, though so many things about what I thought I knew had been shaken off, the faith in my life remained and was so much stronger. And it was my faith. It wasn't just what everyone else told me. It wasn't what I thought I needed to believe. It wasn't what was going to get me cool points with the people around me. Definitely not. But it was my faith in God brought me through that, and he will bring you through that. There's a story in Mark chapter 9, one of my favorite verses that talks about this, but it's a, a man approaches Jesus, and, and he, his son is, has this affliction uh, with a spirit that, that has nearly killed him and throws him down, and he can't speak, and he convulses and all sorts of things, and uh, people are praying for him, and it's, it's not working, and Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And the man answered, from childhood. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In verse 23, I think I have, Jesus says this, if you can, which I just love that. It's a challenge, right? It's like, do you know, do you, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> right? Maybe the man doesn't. But he says, if you can, said Jesus, Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, and this is what I love, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. You see that? How that's an honest expression of what he's going through? You know what, Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. You've said that you can do this. I've seen you do this. I'm going to believe in you even though I'm experiencing all this unbelief. Just help me with the rest of this. I didn't finish the story in my text, but the the boy got healed. (laughs) (laughs) You too can say that in prayer. Father, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I, I believe you're there. Help my unbelief. I believe you're with me in this situation. Help my unbelief. All right, y'all ready for the next one? So bring your doubts to God in prayer. Next one, bring God's word to your doubt. Bring your doubts to God in prayer. Bring God's word to your doubt. I want to read a few passages from Psalm 119. 119, 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So often when we're tempted to doubt God's goodness, his word, and his promises, one of the best tools in our arsenal is to actually be familiar with God's word and his promises and his goodness. 
Anyone ever experienced that? Like that when you, when you have had a faithful kind of input of the scriptures, that when something bad comes up in your life or when it's a bad day that might normally set you off further, have you noticed that you're more likely to bring it to God? Have you noticed that you have more strength to deal with those things? Because you've been familiar with like, hey, well, God was faithful to Israel when they did this. And Jesus was faithful to help that man when he said, I don't believe, but I believe. One of the best things we can do is actually be familiar with what God promises us. Let me read a few more verses from Psalm 119. 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. 111 and 112. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. So often we struggle with doubts, but we're not full of God's word to strengthen us and encourage us and guide us. In Matthew 4, Jesus goes through a temptation. A lot of you are familiar with it. He's led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, right? So it's a test that's coming. He's going to be tempted. How does he prepare for it? Fasting and prayer. He prays and fasts for 40 days. But then when the enemy comes to tempt him, and he says, if you're really the son of God, if this is really true about you, right, he's sowing doubt, how does Jesus win? He wins with the word. It is written. Every temptation, every doubt that was thrown at Jesus, every bit of shade that Satan was casting, He said, it is written. It is written. He prepared with prayer, but he won with the word of God. Do you regularly read the Bible? Do you consider scripture and what the promises that God offers you in that? Do you memorize the promises in God's word? Because it will help you. And if you're struggling with that right now, even if it doesn't seem like it will help you, it will help you to be in God's word. Amen? If you guys want help with that, we have an awesome tool here as our church that uh, most of you probably know about, but it's called City Bible Reading, and you can actually send a text and get two chapters of scripture sent to your phone every day, so that if you just want to be reminded to read the word, they come out at like five in the morning or something like that. I'm not even, I'm not going to pretend like I'm awake at that time, but if you wake up after 5 a.m., it'll be there when you wake up waiting on you. And you'll have other people around you that are reading the same scriptures. So that was shameless, awesome plug for a cool thing that we do here to stay in the word. Next point. All right, so we we bring our doubts to God. We bring God's word to our doubt. And then just the simple idea of doubting your doubts. Do you doubt your doubts? There's a song uh, by Switchfoot from... I think their first album, 1997, Ode to Chin, is the name of the song. And the chorus, I just love it, and so I want to share it. Grow, grow where you are, anchor your roots underneath, doubt your doubts, and believe your beliefs. So often we doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. 
We give our doubts the benefit of a doubt, <laughs> but not our beliefs. Why do you give your doubts a courtesy that you won't give your faith? Are your doubts so compelling that they can't be questioned? Doubt your doubts. Try it out. Seacrest out. <laughs> Next point. Borrow faith from others. Borrow faith from others. Ecclesiastes, I've got a few, a few scriptures for this, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 10 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Two are better than one. Galatians 2 says it this way. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You don't want to break the law, do you? <laughs> huh? We're commanded as Christians to carry one another's burdens. Yeah. And we're told in the Old Testament that two are better than one. Try not to uh, do the Mr. T impression with I pity the fool who falls on his own and doesn't have anyone to, get, to, to pick him up. Find someone you know Find someone you trust and share your doubt with them so they can share their faith with you. Maybe it's someone who you know has gone through a similar thing or maybe it's just someone you look up to in the faith. Say, hey, I need help. I, I brought it to God. I've, I've tried to bring God's word into it. I've tried to cast some doubt on my own doubts, but I need help. Remember, the enemy wants to isolate us from each other in our doubts and then it turns to disbelief and then it turns to sin. But if we fight the enemy, we can do that by reaching out for each other and carrying each other's burdens. Amen? As I drove here this morning, there's a, uh, some of you guys may have seen it. Um, we're by San Diego High School. There's the, the Stand Down event that goes on once a year, and they, they put it on for homeless uh, veterans, um, veterans who are homeless and need different social services or maybe need help getting off the street or no, like medical care or whatever it may be. And uh, as I was driving by, I saw, I thought of two different things. One, I thought of, these are veterans. They've been in the American military. They're familiar with the concept of leave no man behind. If your buddy's wounded on the battlefield, you better pick him up. Don't leave him there. That's what they're trained from the very beginning. And even if he dies on the battlefield or you think he might be dead, don't let him stay there. Leave no person behind. And here these people are, that are now finding themselves homeless, but they've heard that, and the sign I saw on the front said, a hand up, not a hand out. It's that idea of, I'm going to help you up. I know that you're down. I'm going to help you up. If we only had the same attitude in the church, yeah. if we could towards our brothers and sisters say, here, let me, let me carry that burden. Let me pray with you. Let me remind you of God's truth. Amen? Amen. All right. Borrow faith from others. Next point, be real with people who don't believe. Yes. Be real with people who don't believe. Whew. The world doesn't need to see you trying to have perfect faith. The world needs to see you having real faith in the face of real doubts. 
Your doubts are not something to be embarrassed of, but they're also not something to hold up in pride. It's something to say, I'm human. I have doubts. I struggle from the curse of sin that we've all struggled from, distance from God, distrust of God. But I believe Jesus. I believe what he's done in my life. I have hope for the future that he's promised. You know, so many, so many people, I think, I think that Christians just have kind of chosen between reason and faith. But that's not the case. Think about it. The, the early disciples, the early apostles of Jesus, they didn't make up some myth that Jesus rose from the dead. The same Jesus that all these people we read about in Scripture, they saw him do miracles, they, saw, they heard him teach and all this stuff, and then they watched him die, and they know where he got buried and who buried him. And then three days later, they went to the same people and said, that guy's alive. Historical. This is historical fact. And yet, there's some kind of idea out there that Christians are like, oh, they just chose the faith instead of the reason. They chose the faith instead of the logic. Well, yeah, we did choose faith, but it's based in reason. It's based in rationality. Why else would you go out and go from denying him and running away from him to three days later, I'm going to preach this till I die and then get killed for it? It is based in reason, but the world doesn't need to see us trying to be perfect and trying to have perfect faith. The world needs to see us having real faith in the face of real doubt. I want to share a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, verse 3 and 5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Whew. A lot of comfort in there. Did you guys hear that? All right. Follow the comfort. We're going to read it again. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He's the God of comfort. He gives us comfort in our troubles so that we can comfort other people in any trouble with the comfort that God has given us in our troubles. You guys see that? We're constantly coming to God, whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever doubt it may be, and we're getting comfort from God and extending that to other people who don't yet have it. That's what the world needs. The world needs us to be real. Not to act like we have all the answers, but to be real and to point people to Jesus. Many of you, most of you know Trevor and Heidi and, and part of their story, and I, I called Heidi this morning and just to ask if I could share a little bit of their story, but when they went through a tragedy and um, their daughter, Mazelle, passed away after three days, of being born. And many of you were there. Many of you prayed with them. Many of you dealt that with them and were with them and carried each other's burdens. And there was one thing about that. Well, there were so many things about that. But in the face of such tragedy, in the face of so many possible doubts and fears, I saw not only God carry them and their faith grow and become stronger, but other people carry them and pray for them and help them to become stronger and help them have hope and remind them of hope in that. And a few days after all that had happened, and they, they made a video, and uh, 
and we're able to put it on YouTube. And, and what you can see in that video is, is nothing other than the strength of the Holy Spirit and the power of God at work in their life. In the face of incredible, an incredibly dark situation. But the other thing you see is they're being real with the faith God has given them. And I've shared that video with a lot of people. Some of them believers, a lot of them not believers. And I'll tell you what, every single person is affected by that video. And it's not just because it's a sad situation. They're affected by the hope that they saw on Heidi and Trevor's face as they went through the darkest days. Because they have real hope. And because what the enemy would want to use for doubt and unbelief and distance from God and isolating from everyone else, instead, God used it. And God has used it and God will continue to use it to not only increase their faith and strengthen them, but to countless unbelievers who have seen that video and say, what kind of, how can God give them that much comfort? I want that. I want to know what that is. Does that make sense? One of the most practical things we can do with our faith toward, toward others is to be real with those who don't believe. I'm wrapping up with this. The good news about your doubt is this. I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I can't end right now. I, I know you're hungry. <laughs> I can't end right now because of this. Because if I end right now and if I walk off and we pray, all I've given you is a long task list. All I've given you is said, hey, we all experience doubt. It's up to you to fix it. Here's five things you can do. Peace. Good luck. <laughs> right? And, and, and here's the thing. Even though those may be good practical tips, that's not good news. Because if, if the good news was, hey, you're 100% totally responsible for fixing your own doubt and giving yourself more faith, man, that, that news is going to turn bad really quick. Does anyone know that? We all know that. We've all failed. We've all had times of doubt that have not ended up in stronger faith, but have led us to rebel and sin against God. We've all had times of doubt that have turned into sin and unbelief and hardened hearts. And far from God and far from others, I'm not going to be real with other people. But here's the thing. Jesus experienced doubt too. Jesus experienced doubt and acted in faith. And Jesus went to the cross for every time that you've experienced doubt and acted in sin. Every time that you've experienced a doubt and it's led you to unbelief and led you to sin, Jesus went to the cross for that. This verse, just a few verses early in our text today, it's John chapter 12. Verse 27, Jesus says this. He's talking about the, the cross is about to happen. Vince preached on this last week about having one week to live. And Jesus says this, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Elsewhere in the scriptures, he's in the garden and he says, Father, if it's your will, please let this cup pass. I know this is the whole reason I came, but can it just not be? Can it pass? 
Can I put it off? Father, save me from this hour? You want to tell me Jesus didn't experience doubt? He did experience doubt. He never sinned. And that's why we have hope. He says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Every time your doubt has distanced you from God and from his family has been paid for by Jesus on the cross. The Bible says he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And because Jesus experienced doubt and yet acted in faith and took that righteousness to the cross, he gives it to us and we can now experience doubt but act in faith. Because he's cleared our record, he's paid our debt of sin, and he's given us the power of the Spirit to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Help this unbelief I'm dragging along behind me. Help me overcome it. Help me overcome my unbelief. But I believe. Only then can that doubt take us actually to stronger faith and to life and to walking in the light. Thomas. He's usually called Thomas the Doubter. Which that's a bummer for him, right? Good news for us. It's encouraging. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I see. All you guys got to see him risen from the dead. I'm not going to believe either until I see the scars. And maybe if Jesus, you know, Jesus had called him to be an apostle, to be a witness of the resurrection. If Jesus was just as implore, he probably would have said, you're fired. We're going to have to let you go. <laughs> you're not really uh, sharing the whole resurrection thing. Um, but you know what Jesus said? You're an apostle. <laughs> he helped him through his doubt. And he became one of the pillars of the church. <laughs> Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't know about you, but if one of my friends did that, I would try to get that negativity out of my life. <laughs> you, would at least, you would at least unfriend him on Facebook, right? Like unfollow, like, dude, get away. Come on. What did Jesus do? Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Paul was an unbeliever, like the ones we read about in John 12 today, full unbelief. Knew about Jesus, chose not to believe, assaulted, arrested, had believers killed. That's what he did. We would cry out for justice for Paul today. Put him in chains, lock him up. Death penalty? Let's get some justice. What did God do? He's going to be an evidence of my grace. He's going to be my light and my voice to the Gentiles. He's going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. <laughs> what are your doubts today? What are your doubts today? Can I encourage you that you're not alone? Can I encourage you that there's grace for your doubts? 
that Jesus went to the cross for every time your doubt has led you to sin so that now your doubts, can, you can respond in faith? Will you bring your doubts to God today? Will you start today? Will you, will you, if it's the right time, will you borrow faith from others today? Jesus went on to say, um, right after our text, he, Jesus talks for a few verses to end the chapter, and Vince is going to cover that next week. But he said this. It's kind of a summary. It's kind of a summary of what we've learned in, in the book of John so far. But he says this. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Will you believe in Jesus today? Like I said at the beginning, I don't know what your doubts are. You may be here today and you're not even struggling with doubt. That's okay. Maybe God has you here to be one of the ones that someone else is going to borrow faith from. And maybe that's going to happen in the next few moments. If it is, just be open to that. Be open to praying for someone and encouraging someone. But maybe you're here today and you're feeling almost absolutely crushed by doubt. Maybe you can identify with Thomas and like, I'm not going to believe God until you do what I want. (laughs) Then I'll believe. Or maybe you can identify with the sorrow of Peter who's so depressed that he let down his Lord three times in a row that he can hardly look Jesus in the eye. I don't know what your doubts are. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God can use that in your life to bring you into more faith, to bring you into stronger faith, and to be a point of comfort that you can comfort other people with. Amen? So I want to ask you, will you bring your doubts to God? Will you bring your doubts to God? Will you believe in Jesus? Let's end with a prayer, and then I'll kind of give some instructions as we close out, all right? Father, we thank you so much for this word. God, we thank you that every bit of your word, your your scripture is profitable for instruction. It's good to teach us. It's good to guide us. We thank you for that, Lord. It's so amazing that, that this Bible that was written so long ago can speak to us every single day. Lord, it's written by people we never met, two people we never met, and yet we feel like it was written straight to our hearts. God, that is the power of your living word. And by the power of your gospel, I stand here today to claim that faith in you leads to life. And God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice, whether they've never believed it or whether they've heard it a thousand times, would would cling to that truth, that faith in you as the Son of God, who died for their sins and rose again from the grave, will save them, will save them from every doubt, will save them from every sin, will save them from everything that's gone wrong, wrong in this broken world. Lord, our hope is in you. And so we come to you, even though we have doubts, we want to be like that man who said, I believe. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. But I believe. I choose to believe. I take the faith that you've given me, and I choose to place it in you. I take the, the doubts that I have right now, and I say, these are going to go in the direction of God. I pray for that strength right now. Pray that you would encourage people. Holy Spirit, in the way that you can only do, that we would be encouraged that you went to the cross for every sin that our doubts have led to. God, so that we can walk in faith today. Well, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen.